there's a lot of emotions that come with, you know, being made redundant. For some people, it's been a resentment. For some people, it's just a shock of like, whoa, um, you know, you're almost being forced to move before you felt ready. Um, and that's tough. What is up, everybody? This is Matilda Aguirre-Cooper, and you're listening to Finesse Your Wellness, the podcast that explores what it means to thrive and live well. Now, at some point in our lives, every one of us is going to wonder if we're doing the right thing with work. And that journey of trying to figure things out can really play a number on our mental health. Now, in my case, I started my career with a very clear idea of what I wanted to do. Like at 16, I was like, I'm going to be a music journalist. I'm going to be out here speaking to all my favorite musicians and just living my best life, which I did. (laughs) But after a decade of taking that career journey as far as I wanted it to go, I definitely had a moment where I just wanted to try something else. I realized I had all these skill sets, these transferable skills. And, you know, when I went down the corporate route, that in of itself kind of gave me some sense of stability and comfort until the realities of restructures, redundancy, and just the dilemma of not knowing exactly where to go to next hit me. So what does it take to truly cope with discovering your passions changing course or feeling like you're on the right path. Well, on today's episode, I had a lovely chat with my homegirl, Abigail Brown. She's a career coach with over 10 years experience helping people to discover what they really want to do and developing the right strategies to achieve it. With a background in recruitment, she specializes in supporting clients with job search techniques, CV and applications, as well as their interview skills. Now, Abigail is really passionate about helping people to build their potential. So in our chat, we look at what it takes to build your confidence with the realities of work and why it's so important to be ready for anything. Enjoy. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Abigail. Thank you for having me, Matty. It's really lovely to be here. I know. And I mean, it's so lovely because you're like one of my oldest friends. I mean, you're one of the few people that call me Matty, which is so (laughs) nice and endearing to hear. So that that says a lot about, you know, how long we've been rolling. Yeah, um, it's been a long time. It's been a minute. And um, actually to that point, as long as I've known you, you've always seemed to kind of have this crystal clear clarity (laughs) about what you wanted to do in your life. And, you know, that isn't always the case for everyone. So yeah. I just kind of want to know, just to kick off, has that always been the case or did I just kind of make that up? And what have been your initial experiences with just kind of figuring out what you wanted to do? Mm, Really great question. Um, So I would definitely say I've always been known as someone that's driven. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think reflecting on that question, I'm wondering if it's because growing up in a Nigerian household. Well, <laughs> there was, there's that part. There was that, that pressure, <laughs> that environment where it was like, you know, we're not here to play games. Like <laughs> you want to have a goal, something um, that you're striving towards. And I think looking at my dad as well, he was always very, he is very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've got a lot of that drive from my dad, actually, on reflection and um, that ability to to dream, to really think that if this is what you want, 
you can absolutely work hard to achieve it, that there's nothing impossible. Um, so I'll say I got a lot of that from my dad, actually. Mm. And did you always want to be a career coach? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I probably didn't even know what a career coach was <laughs> growing up. And to be fair, it's still quite a new-ish role. So um, definitely not. Um, from as young as I can remember, I've wanted to be a lawyer. Wow. Yes. And again, it's kind of going back to my background of, um, I always joke that when you, you know come, <laughs> you come from a Nigerian household, you've got four career choices. So it's, you know, a lawyer, <laughs> it's a doctor, an engineer or someone in finance. Um, and I was always good at humanities-based subjects. So mm-hmm. always good at communication, always good at um, just verbal reasoning. So for me, it just felt quite natural to go into law. Um, and so I probably made that career decision as young as maybe seven, nine even. Wow. Um, and that was okay. always something that I was just really focused on. So I did law at um, A-levels. I did law at university. Um, but it wasn't until I got to university, I started to reflect. And I think sometimes in life, you know, we can be really in the kind of, we can really be in like just motion or just going with the flow. Well, mm-hmm. it's what I want to do. And we don't really take time to reflect, to think, you know, would I actually enjoy this job? Am I suited to this career and so forth? So it wasn't until university that I really started to, and I guess that's because I got closer to the goal where you start to have to make more financial mm. <laughs> decisions um, to back up your career choices. Cause I would have had to commit to an LPC course and other training requirements. And then I started to really think, actually, is this, you know, bringing out the best in me? Is this really utilizing all the skill sets? Is this, um, aligning with my passions and interests and so it was the first time um finishing university was the first time where I felt stuck Mm. um and I talked to a lot of clients about that moment of feeling stuck um and we all have it in different parts of our lives um we get to that element of feeling stuck and that was my first time finishing university wow I mean it's really interesting hearing that because I think, well, yeah, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I definitely got to a very similar point because just off the bat, when I decided that I wanted to do journalism, I was, as you said, kind of just go, 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 like on it, (laughs) like running (laughs) literally as far as I could go. And then suddenly I got to a point where along the journey, firstly, I recognized that I had other skills. So even though I loved communication, similar to you, obviously mm-hmm. loved music. Um, I loved creativity. And I think because I was working in the digital space, that kind of opened me up to sort of social media, blogging, when that became a thing. But I yeah. definitely distinctively remember getting to a point where I'm like, I genuinely do not know what I want to do. Yeah. Or I just didn't know what options were available with Absolutely. my skill set. Yeah. And so I guess with you then recognizing that you got stuck, mm. how did you end up then finding the world of career coaching? Mm. Great question. Um, so we have this career theory called happenstance. Um, and with that theory, so some people are really, like you said, they're really focused. They have a goal. They're going to achieve that goal. And then there's some people you might ask, what do you want to do? And they have no idea. And I often tell um, clients, sometimes it's actually okay not to know. Um, but what you do need is to have the behaviours and the skills to be open and mm. curious to opportunities. Um, so I kind of just did a deep dive, just kept my net really wide open um, and just explore different roles that I might be interested in. 
And somebody just randomly sent me an email about an opportunity to volunteer in India for three months. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, (laughs) platform two. Yeah, (laughs) she was gone. Um, Yes, yes, yes. Um, And um, at that point, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I thought, you know what, why not? Um, And I spent time volunteering in India, working with a local community, and I had the best time. Um, But on a personal level, what I really took away from that was space. For the first time, I thought, I've actually got space to think and to reflect on actually, what do I actually want to do? Mm. <laughs> you know, um, what do I feel my purpose is? What's my, you know, my essence for being here? What do I actually want to do now that the pressures of, you know, academic study and everything is off? Like it gave me a chance to dream. And I spent that time just reflecting on, you know, my kind of strengths, reflecting on, you know, what's important to me, reflecting on my interests. And from that, I really began to see kind of patterns that um, you know, what made me choose law and realising that actually some of these skills are transferable, communication is transferable to, you know, a number of different career paths, helping people. And um, one of my kind of key interests is transferable to a number of key paths. So mm. I kind of left India with a lot more just kind of excitement, a lot more just awareness, self-awareness really um, of just what I wanted to do. Um, and again, I stayed, I came back and I stayed really open to opportunities. I, I fell into recruitment. Um, and again, I'm someone, particularly then as well, I, I was being someone who's driven, like I like the idea of like having targets and meeting them and mm. um, helping people, communicating and so forth. So that was a natural fit. And um, while I was in that role, the company I worked for at that time, they were really big on people development. Um, they're one of the best companies I've known for that in terms of just really investing in their staff. Um, and so they started talking about coaching and it was a new term to me at that age, never heard of it. And they wanted to train up some people to be coaches. So I just kind of, you know, put myself forward for that. And I started getting training and coaching. And I realized as I was talking to different staff members, a lot of the needs were nine out of 10 times career based. Mm. People were talking about how they felt stuck in their careers. People were talking about how they didn't know. Um, you know, maybe they might have wanted a promotion, but didn't quite know how to get there. People didn't know how to, maybe they wanted to, you know, gain a new skill, but weren't quite sure. So a lot of the conversations were career focused. And I thought, you know what, there's an actual need here. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that's what made me then go on and get my level six diploma in career guidance. And I kind of left recruitment in the formal sense and, you know, kind of went all in into career coaching. Amazing. I mean, it's obviously just, <laughs> you know, it's it's the way you explain it, it kind of sounds like everything just fell, you know, mm. all the pieces just fell together into the right places. Mm. And so And that's what I was saying. That's mm. why it's about being open and curious. Because sometimes it's actually okay to not know. Um, but it's making use of, you know, your networks, the people around you, which we'll talk about in a bit more detail. Um and trying out different things, not being afraid to try out different things. Like I said, I'd never heard of a coach before, but I looked at, you know, the role description. I thought, okay, some of these skills, I think, align well to um, me. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to be open and give it a try. And actually, by being open, it actually built a whole new career that I never would have imagined um, Mm. 15 years ago. Wow. And so when... You meet your clients. I mean, what mm-hmm. are some of the first things that you guys sort of deal with? Like what's kind of like the, the first step in, in coaching? Mm. Um, so it's really, so with coaching, it's really focused on having a goal. 
and for some clients, that's really easy, you know. Um, they might be looking for a new job. Um, they might be, you know, looking for promotion. Um, some of my, so I have a mix of clients, just to give some context as well. So I um, coach students and graduates, um, but I also coach people who have been made redundant, who tend to be kind of mid-professionals um, and senior professionals. Um, so it's really looking at what is their goal? What do they want to get out of our time together? And it's really giving them space to, um, to really think and to really dream and to really think about what options they could have. Um, we often kind of fall into careers or we, you know, we kind of stay in careers, but often people, you know, aren't always happy <laughs> mm. at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear a lot of people be like, oh, it's Monday again. You know, I have, you know, I've got friends. Like, Monday. Like, oh, it's Monday. But we spend so much of our time at work. <laughs> like, literally, we spend the majority of our time at work and, a lot of it is working with clients to think about, you know, what what could be different? Like, what else is there? And it's really challenging them to explore options, to explore the things that maybe they've buried for so long, but for, you know, I can't do this because of, you know, I've got a mortgage to pay or I've got this to pay. And it's really exploring possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll kind of look at any barriers to those possibilities. Maybe you might need to upskill um, maybe you might need to dip your toe in by, you know, r- arranging a day to kind of work shuttle someone. Um, so really looking at the realities, um, I like to call it the wheel of life. So we have a career, but it's part of, we're part of, you know, a whole range of different things that factor on our careers, whether it's caring responsibilities, whether it's our health and so forth. So we'll look at that. Um, and then we'll look at the options. So we'll really dive into options. We'll look at, you know, the, the advantages and disadvantages to the different options. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, we will, we will action. So we'll look at what could we actually do to move us one step closer to our goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be as simple as, you know, arranging a coffee with someone who is in a role that you might aspire to. Um, or it could be as simple as, you know, um, reviewing your CV, updating it. It could be as simple as joining LinkedIn, but what are some of the goals that you could do to move you one step closer to where you really want to be? I mean, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, it, I mean, it sounds obviously very strategic and mm, absolutely. with the goal of having a, a really strong and tangible outcome. I think it also sounds like a process whereby if mm. you choose it intentionally, so it's like you reach a point like we did where we're like, oh, we're a bit stuck. Mm. Maybe I get a career coach. Yeah. What about the situations where suddenly, you know, the the wall is pulled <laughs> back and, mm. you know, the rug is pulled out from underneath someone's feet and they're made redundant. And yes. suddenly it's like, oh no. Like, I mean, first of all, have you had experience with redundancy? Mm. Yes, I think redundancies are very common um, now, actually. Um, so I got made redundant about, five years ago um and that was because the actual company closed down wow um and there was and it was a shock like they had literally started building you know new departments new places within the company so (laughs) there were there were no major signs that this was happening um so there's a lot of there's a lot of you know just there's a lot of emotions that come with you know being made redundant for some people, it's been a resentment. For some people, it's just a shock of like, whoa, um, you know, you're almost being forced to move before you felt ready. Um, and that's tough. Um, so I, I went through that um, a couple of years ago. And actually part of 
how I kind of navigated that was going into self-employment. That was partly what inspired me because I thought, you know what, I've got all these these um, kind of skills and I started thinking about how can I use them for myself and not be as reliant on a company because mm-hmm. redundancies are so common <laughs> I know. these days and that's one of the things that really sparked me to set up Build Potential was so that I could take back that autonomy and that control when it came to my career. Um, so and now I currently, as I mentioned, also support people who have been re- redundant and it's similar feelings of, you know, shock, similar feelings of hurt, um, and some of the people I support, some of them have been with the same company for 10 years, 20 years. Wow. Um, and so it's really, really difficult. And with those clients particularly, I have to do a lot around kind of confidence building mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of like, why me? Especially if it was, you know, only some of you were made redundant. There's a lot of that kind of why why me? And it really does affect people's confidence. And mm. um, so I work with them closely to kind of build up confidence is one of the first key things. Um, what is that approach to the confidence building? Like, what does that entail? Mm. So it's it's really just challenging um, any sort of beliefs that they have. Right. And um, so we call them like kind of like limiting beliefs. And it's mm. really getting them to focus on the root causes of those limiting beliefs and turning the table um, to actually say, it, the reason wasn't you is because of A, B and C. But oftentimes we personalise everything when it's looking at other options and thinking, OK, what could have been the, what could have been the other reasons why um, that redundancy happened and really get them to, to kind of step out of themselves and really look at the other options. And the more they do it, the more they begin to realise, actually, it wasn't, you know, a personal attack on me, but actually maybe there was a business need or so or there was a merger that tends to happen a lot of a lot of my clients there was you know an American company <laughs> right has come in and there's been some sort of merger so um there's a lot of that and some of it can be built confidence so with a lot of my clients they might not have you know a lot of them haven't haven't been on LinkedIn or are not active on LinkedIn um, haven't had a you know CV updated in 20 years so mm. some of it is just building up their confidence again through getting their you know CV revamped and getting to think that you know you still have all these skills all this experience all this knowledge that can be useful for another organization and um, getting them to use LinkedIn as I mentioned um, and the power of the, you know the, their network mm. um, often you know traditional job hunting techniques are you, you know, you go on Indeed or LinkedIn, you find a, you find a job, you apply, but 60% of jobs are not advertised. There's this <laughs> whole wealth of what I call the hidden job market. And so it's teaching them new skills to build their confidence about how they tap into that hidden job market. Mm. And I guess um, some of the things you touched on, like the limiting beliefs, mm. challenging those looking at CVs, refreshing all of that. It's really about empowering someone to believe in themselves again, right? Absolutely. So then I guess, what can someone do to just maintain, and this is maybe linked to some of those tactics, but what can Mm. someone do to maintain a positive mindset during the challenging time of going through redundancy or yeah, Mm. thinking about changing, changing tact? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll say one of the key ones is get somebody you can be accountable to. So whether that's a career coach, whether that's a family member, um, whether that's a friend, have someone that you can get some sort of support whilst you're job hunting because it can be 
incredibly isolating when you feel like everyone's going to work and it's just you at home. That's not the case, but it can feel like that. So get yourself someone who can support you, who can, you know, look through a CV or an application um, if you need that support. Someone who can even just meet up with you for coffee. So again, you're not losing that interaction with people. Because a lot more of us, you know, working from home, we don't have that same sort of um interaction. So definitely keeping yourself connected to people would be one of the first things. Um, and then also I'd say in terms of kind of strategies, it's it's networking. Mm-hmm. So it's um be connecting to people. Maybe you haven't spoken to them for a while, and um, but you tend to find People are incredibly receptive um, to connecting with people, especially on LinkedIn. Like I said, 60% of jobs aren't advertised. So we all understand this kind of hidden job market, the importance of networking. And so for those people, I'd encourage them to kind of reach out to old connections, people that you've worked with, people who you know from your industry, um, and just set up, you know, an, an informal, you know, 15-minute virtual coffee chat. Um, and just kind of pick their brain, let them know about, you know, you're kind of in the market for this, pick their brain about if there's any um, sort of things coming up in their company or any introductions that they can make. Um, and those sort of stuff, it really works. Like I have so many clients that are like, oh, are you sure? You know, it's not going to be people. I don't know if it's a British thing as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going to say it's so reassuring that firstly, you know, networking does work. Absolutely. I know for me for a very long time, it was something that, I kind of avoided only Mm. because, and it's weird, right? Because I'm quite a sociable, confident person when it comes to meeting new people. But I suppose when it comes to needing something, I didn't want to feel like I was using the other person. Yeah. Yeah. And I completely get that. Um, we, and, and, and it's a completely natural feeling to feel like that. But we, we all do it. And I think we miss out on a whole network if we don't take advantage of this. Um, and I've, you know, experienced this personally as well as, you know, I always tell my clients things. I never tell my clients things that I um, haven't personally done. So when I tell them about reaching out on LinkedIn, you know, I, I do the same things all the time. And you just never know. Um, one of the recent contracts I got, you know, um, the person wasn't hiring, but they knew someone that was, and then they introduced me. And you know, it's we'd never met before, um, <laughs> and it's just putting yourself out there because um, that's how often people are looking for your skill set. You just make need to make it easier for them to find you. Right. And I tell clients that all the time because you know, so many people's skills are in demand, but people are paying recruitment agencies loads of money to find people like you. Mm. Cut out the middleman and just make yourself a lot more visible. Um, and you do yourself a favor and and the company in the long run by just making yourself a lot more visible. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting earlier when you said that redundancy is so common. I know, especially mm. during the pandemic. There were so many more posts I noticed on LinkedIn where people would say, you know what, I've been made redundant, but this is my skill set. Let me know if you know anything going. And and it's funny that, well, in a good way, that the shame around redundancy is kind of diminished now. Because I think people are actually recognizing if I kind of just put my hands up and say, look, this is my situation. This is what I've got to give. Mm. To your point, it does me a favor when I'm like looking for team and I'm recruiting and it does make it a lot easier for me. So that's actually a really good tip. Mm, No, absolutely. And I get a lot of clients who ask, oh, it's okay if I mention redundancy. And like you said, the shame around it because it's become so common. 
Um, it's not like it was before when people are a lot more open to supporting people and helping people. I've got a creative director I'm um, coaching at the moment um, and she needs someone to look at her portfolio. And I was just like, she was like, um, is it okay if I mention I've been with, made redundant? And I was like, absolutely. That's going to definitely make you even more um, personable and easier to connect to. So absolutely, sometimes use those things to your advantage. And sort of penultimate question, mm-hmm. when it comes to maintaining wellness, well-being through the process of dealing with change at work or change with work, what would you kind of recommend or good practices? So when it comes to dealing with change at work, yeah. Um, so what are your, so I would say, um, there's a number of ways to look at this question, but I would say looking at how you deal with wellness in general, so whether it's kind of fitness, whether it's kind of, you know, I don't know, like healthy eating, cooking, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's reading, writing. Um, so looking at those kind of practices in general. Um, but in terms of kind of good practices from a kind of career point of view, it's keeping yourself updated. So making sure that you are um, connected to people, that you're you're following whether it's posts or you're just aware of kind of industry standards, you're um, going to events, you're meeting people, you're connecting to people. Because um, as I mentioned, isolation is something that really can play a big toll on people when it comes to um, changes such as this. So keeping yourself connected um, is a big one. Um, almost doing a skills audit, I would say, mm-hmm. of yourself. So really okay. looking at, because again, your confidence can be diminished and it's reminding yourself like, no, you know, you've still got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you've been in this career for however long and, you know, you've got all these skills, this knowledge and experience that you've gained um, and not devaluing it, remembering that, you know, that's how you got your last job was because of these skills. Mm-hmm. And whilst working in this last job, you've gained even more skills and knowledge um, and all of this is transferable. All of this is going to benefit a future employer. Um, so I'll just remind yourself of your skills, your skills of problem solving, of teamwork, of leadership. Um, I'd also remind yourself of your achievements. And mm. I think, you know, when you're made redundant, you can must be like, you know, maybe I wasn't good enough. Maybe this, maybe that. But remind yourself of your career achievements, you know, whether it's quantitative, qualitative. Uh, remind yourself of the impact that you've had over the course of your career. Um, and just continue to champion yourself. And then I think the last thing as well would just be um, upskilling yourself in whatever way that looks like. So whether you want to do a course, um, seeing it as an opportunity to, you know, that course you've been putting off for a while, do that. Or whether it's just a simple kind of refresh of your CV, of your your, your LinkedIn profile, your cover letters, um, using it as an opportunity to kind of upskill and refresh yourself as well. Nice. So helpful. Thank you, Abigail. Um, so last question, ask mm-hmm. on my guest, how do you finesse your wellness? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> so um, it probably will come as no surprise. Um, connection. I'm really big on connection. Um, I'm a natural networker, um, but more importantly, just connection on a personal level. So meeting up with friends, whether it's for, you know, coffee, um, whether it's doing, you know, an activity together um, or even if it's as simply as just speaking on the phone, I'm really big on just connecting with people. And I think from connection, you get to share problems, you get to encourage one another. 
Um, you get to laugh. Again, I'm really big on just kind of just laughing, having fun. Um, and I think even just laughing just makes you feel better within yourself. So I'd say that's probably one of my key ones. And then the second one I'd say is um, nature, just being around nature. Um, I have a local park um, that I tend to go to um, every time I kind of need to just to kind of step back and think, okay, um, what do I want to do next? So I've got a you know particular problem I've been losing on. I'll just kind of sit in the park um, and I'll have my journal with me and I'll just begin to write. Um, and I find that taking that time out of the busyness of your normal day and kind of stepping back and sitting in a park, I find that incredibly just refreshing and rejuvenating, actually. Mm, and that sounds so inspiring. I feel like <laughs> I might do that after this interview. Yeah. <laughs> and so to that point about connection, how can people connect with you? Right. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, so you can find me Abigail um, Brown or Abigail.o.brown because there's a million Abigail Browns on LinkedIn. So okay. <laughs> Abigail.o.brown um, is probably the best way to connect with me. Um, so feel free to connect with me if you want any support with kind of um, career coaching, revamping your CV, um, kind of you might feel a bit rusty around kind of interviews. So arranging a mock interview, um, I'm more than happy to support amazing thanks girl thank you for having me Matty it's been great let me tell y'all something I could not wait to get Abigail onto the podcast because I know so many people friends colleagues close family friends who have really encountered the very reality of changing jobs redundancy Ugh, all that stuff. So I really wanted her to kind of share her expertise, which she did, right? So here are my top three takeaways. Number one, assess your skills. The reality is there are things that you are naturally good at. There are things that you've learned along the way. And so if you are in a position where you may need to change job or you're actually just looking to try something new, there is real value in just taking a moment to take stock of the things that you're really good at. And if you don't personally know the things that you're good at, guaranteed somebody will tell you. There's like the Gallup test out there. There's the Myers-Briggs. There's all these things that can kind of give you a real sense of who you are, what you're good at, and fundamentally what you can offer an employer. Number two, network, network, network. LinkedIn, shout out to LinkedIn, right? Because before LinkedIn, networking was that little bit harder. But now it is so much easier to connect with people, share your situation, find opportunities. And I think as Abigail was saying, you just never know what you can find in that hidden job market. 60%, y'all, 60% of jobs are not advertised. So this is an opportunity for you to put yourself out there potentially in a brand new way and you never know what may come of that. And finally, number three, big up yourself. <laughs> and so similar to the point about knowing your skills, actually take pride in the things that you have achieved so far. Never forget, you are that girl regardless of what your employment situation is, all right? Cool. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Finesse Your Wellness brought to you by Fly Girl Collective, a space for Black women and women of color who want to level up their wellness and lifestyle. You can follow Fly Girl Collective on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, 
or sign up to our mailing list at flygirlcollective.co for lovely tips, goodies, and invites delivered straight to your inbox. Also, if you love what you heard, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.